0: If you have your Bible this morning, please turn to Malachi chapter 1. We'll be starting in verse 6 this morning. Uh, Last week, we began this new series uh, through this book of Malachi called uh, Return to Me, looking at uh, God calling the people of Israel after uh, their time in exile, calling their hearts back to Him. And uh, you might remember if you are here that I, I framed this book up as kind of a a conversation between God and Israel, this question answer uh, back and forth as God will uh, say something to them or about them, and they will question him on it. And much of the book is his response to those questions. And so each week as we go through this book, uh, we're going to be looking, these sermons will be framed up with one of those questions in mind. Last week, we looked at uh, the question, God told Israel, I have loved you, and they said, how have you loved us? We saw God reaffirm his love for his people despite their difficult circumstances, but they weren't feeling the love. They were looking around at the circumstances around them. Jerusalem had been destroyed. Some of their neighbors never came home. Their homes were in rubble. The temple, the very presence of God was but a mere shadow of what it used to be. And so they looked around and they would think, God, this is, this is your love for us. This is what your love looks like. How have you loved us? And so God reaffirms his love by reaffirming them uh, of their future. He says, you are still here, and I am still your God. But before we get to the question this morning, uh, I want to do something a little different. I want to have Eddie, uh, Eddie Penner, come up here. Uh, you know, I really, we don't appreciate our volunteers uh, who do as much for the church as we could, and so I want to uh, thank Eddie. He is here every week uh, helping to lead our songs in here and, and does a great job with that, and and so, Eddie, I, I just wanted—I have a small bag of Oreos here for you that I wanted. And i got to tell you, uh, these are really good. Uh, my, my preferred way of eating them is, is really just to go straight for the cream and just, you know, kind of shake that off. And you kind of stick it together again if you want. But at, at that point, it's, it's really kind of missing. Or you can just go right for it and just bite it. That's always a good option. Um, some people really like to, to dunk them. I don't have any milk, so I'll just leave that one to you. Uh, You can dunk that if you want to. But thank you uh, so much for all that you do for us. We really appreciate it. How about a hand for Eddie? Now, I I told Eddie ahead of time I was going to do that to him. I'm not... I'm not that big of a jerk to uh, get his hopes up. And I'll get you some actual good Oreos here in a little bit. But uh, the question, what's that? Double Double stuff. All the stuff this time. Uh, But the question that God is asked today is this question, how have we insulted you? God brings the charge against the religious leaders of the day, the priests of the day, for not giving him the honor that he deserves. It's Uh, Like a bag of half-eaten Oreos, they have been offering God sacrifices that are half-hearted and insufficient. He begins talking about this in verse 6, so read along with me. God says, A son honor his his father, and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. It is you priests who show contempt for my name, who insult my name. Now, I would imagine if God said this to you specifically, or to me specifically, if he said, you have insulted me, you have disrespected my name, you have disrespected my honor, we would say, well, we would say, God, I am so sorry. You know, please forgive me. Uh, We would repent, and, and we would seek to do things differently, but that's not quite the reaction we see. It says, but you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name, or how have we insulted you? There's this kind of indignation behind their question. It's not a genuine sincerity of God, of saying, God, how have we what have we done? You know, how how can we fix this? But rather, how have, how have we insulted you? You know, here we are serving day after day, offering the sacrifices, doing our temple duties. There's this insincerity, this indignation about it. Chandler, uh, when we ask him to say sorry to sometimes, but he's not really at a repentant point, we'll say, sorry. And be really indignant about it. And I kind of think that's what's happening here. There's this indignation of, of sorry, but no real repentance. And so God is alerting them to what has been going on, how they've been insulting Him. Verse 7 says, they've been insulting Him by offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? You see, in the Old Testament, God uh, allowed atonement or allowed forgiveness uh, of sins through the sacrifice of animals. And ultimately, that sacrificial system would be fulfilled in the sacrifice of Jesus. But it was, in, those, in that time, the priest's responsibility to, to watch over and administer these sacrifices. But, of course, for something to be a sacrifice, uh, it has to cost something. And so God required an animal that was free from defect. Just as, as he is perfect and holy and set apart, he wanted an animal that was perfect and holy and set apart from the others. It's not really a, a sacrifice for them to say, you know, well, I got this gimpy little goat over here. Uh, Amy, he's not going to sell for much, so you know, I'll just give him to God. Or, or say, you know, I've got this old heifer, uh, and, and that's, she's not really going to be of much use anymore, so you know, here you go, God. Even in his law, specifically in Deuteronomy 17, God had said, You shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God, an ox or a sheep, which has a blemish or any defect. For that is a detestable thing to the Lord your God. But the priests have been doing exactly what God instructed them not to do. They've been offering these blind and, and diseased animals, animals that they can't sell, they can't get anything out of, and so they give them to God rather than offer their best. And I think the, the real offense behind this kind of goes back to this issue of last week. You know, God is, is reaffirming his love for Israel, and he says, I have, I have chosen you. And I have stood by you, and, and, and I have rescued you and protected you, and I have disciplined you and restored you, and I have loved you. And in response, rather than giving me your best, you give me the leftovers. The thing, the thing is, we, we know that this kind of thing wouldn't work even in our everyday realities, in you know, our human relationships. God says, you know, try offering these sacrifices, these gifts to your governor. Would he be pleased? You wouldn't, you wouldn't dare offer them to somebody an authority over you from a worldly perspective. If he was saying it today, he might say something, you know, like on Mother's Day. You know, if you're married and have kids, your, your wife takes care of your kids and, and keeps the house running smoothly and, and cooks for you and cares for you and loves you. And so as a sign of appreciation on this big hurt day, her day, you give her a used vacuum cleaner you found at a garage sale. You know, it's, it's just not going to fly. God's saying you, you wouldn't give your boss a, a half-eaten cake on Boss's Day, would you? You wouldn't give one of your uh, precious volunteers a bag of half-eaten Oreos, would you? There's this kind of double standard going on. And it, it kind of got me wondering, uh, maybe the main question of this whole section. You know why were, why were these priests, why were these religious leaders doing things that they know are, are wrong in their worship, willingly know? that are wrong in their worship. And I, I know every human heart has this propensity to do the wrong thing and to take shortcuts. All of us have had moments where we know that God asks something of us and we purposely and willingly do the opposite. And, and so maybe that's what's going on with these priests. Maybe they're just corrupt or, or lazy or, or willingly disobedient. But I think, you know, as a minister, I, always, I don't always do the right thing, but I always try to do the right thing. You know, if I'm doing something, it's because I, I believe it to be right. And so, what could be at work here is, is lead the, what could, what could be at work here to lead these priests to to knowingly disobey what God has called them to do. Yeah, I, I think it goes deeper than just breaking a rule. I think God's main beef with them about their offering is not that they're offering bad beef. I think Malachi gives us some clues as, as to the heart of the issue. And I think the heart of the issue is an issue of the heart. As he always does, God goes right for the heart. The issue at the heart of these leaders is that their rituals have lost their meaning. They're, they're going through the motions, but they've not committed themselves to truly worshiping and pursuing what God wants of them. They don't offer their best, but rather they, they sacrifice, so it costs them nothing and is of little use to them. They're going through the motions. Their offer of diseased and sickly animals reveals a uh, nature of their heart has likewise become sickly and diseased. And so the question I think that we must ask all of ourselves when coming to this passage is: Are we doing the same thing? You know, are, are we just going through the motions? When it comes to our worship, the, the ways that we connect with God, are we genuinely engaged at a heart level or are we just letting the ritual play out? Are we offering our best or are we offering what is convenient? God tells us what's at stake if we go with what's convenient. It says, now plead with God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 10, Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it sets, in every place incense and pure offerings will be brought to me, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying the Lord's table is defiled and its food is contemptible. And you say, what a burden. And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and, and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord. Cursed is the cheat. Who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord? For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. I think nestled within uh, these warnings that God pronounces uh, is what I think the main issue is when it comes to, to going through these motions of worship. Verse 13, uh, there's a, a line that stands out. He says, and you say, what a what a burden, and you sniff at it contemptuously. Some translations, rather than what a burden, say, what a weariness this is. The religious leaders are, are looking at their ministries, and they're saying, I'm I'm just so tired of it. This word sniff is a a Hebrew word uh, to to blow away, to heave a sigh. And these religious leaders think of their duties. And I have to be honest, because this one hit me right in the gut. Because sometimes ministry is wearisome. And I'm not just talking about being tired, we've all experienced that. But I'm talking about being guilty of of treating ministry as a burden of of weariness, a, a worrisome burden at you know, times where I'm at a conference or I go home and, and people say, "How are th- how are things going at the church?" <sighs> you see the the reason that ministry can become wearisome is often because I fix my focus on the wrong thing, and, and just because you're not a minister vocationally, you probably understand this, this kind of weariness and the ways that you serve and volunteer and help. You know, when, when attendance is lower than I want it to be and the, the offering is not what it needs to be, and, and and the sermons don't seem to hit the mark or, or don't have a lasting impact or when or we're short on volunteers but big on needs, and the, the criticisms become louder than the compliments, and it's just easy to become weary and burdened and, and sigh and go through the motions rather than engage in true, genuine worship. It's easier to critique than to change. It's easier to to give less than our best uh, rather than, than than pour it all out. It's easier to to pick up my pride than it is to pick up a cross. And so maybe this message is is for me more than it is for anyone else, but I'm guessing that I'm not alone in this. Maybe what I I find most concerning of all is God's remedy for this. God's remedy for be us you know, bringing contempt to his name by being not doing things the way we should, by being weary in our service and going through the motions. God says this, Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you. And I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations. When God sees his people just going through the motions, he says, I would rather you shut the doors of the church than continue in useless and empty worship. You see, God doesn't need us to thrive. God says you could shut the temple doors and never sacrifice another thing, and still my name will be great throughout the world. God doesn't need us. We need Him. And we get the privilege, not the obligation, not the burden, not the the weary practice. We get the privilege of worshiping Him. So are we just going through the motions and the ways that we worship, and the ways that we serve? Are we just showing up on Sundays and, and singing a few songs and listening to a sermon, or are we coming to honor the King? Are we keeping the best for ourselves and offering what is convenient? Are we weary in our service to Him? Galatians 6.9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Church, let us not grow weary in our service to God because we have something so much more valuable to offer up to Him than sheep and goats. We're called to sacrifice uh, and offer up our very lives to God. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. But the thing with a a living sacrifice is it can crawl up on the altar and it can crawl off the altar. True worship is to offer our very lives on the altar of sacrifice. To sacrifice everything that we have for him because he has sacrificed everything for us. When God chose to sacrifice for us to pay the price that we owed for our sin, he didn't give us the leftovers. He didn't give us something that was of little use to him. When God gave Jesus as an atoning sacrifice, he gave us his very best. So have we given our best to God? How will we give to him in our worship? Will we give to him out of convenience or will we give to him out of conviction? A friend of mine set up a a few pairings answering this question that I wanted to share with you. His name is Jordan. He's a preaching friend of mine. He says, the convenient church says, I will give and I will serve when I have extra, when I have duplicates. But the convicted church says, I will pour out everything. I will give it all I have and I will give it everything I've got. The convenient church says, I will do that when it's something I'm passionate about. But the convicted church says, this is what the king has called me to do, whether I like it or I'm passionate about it or not. The convenient church says, we will go through the motions, while the convicted church says, we will give 100%. So this morning, I want to call you to worship. Not in a sense of singing songs on a Sunday morning, but worship with your life. Worship that doesn't go through the motions or isn't wearisome. Worship that is true and genuine, that offers our best to the king of the universe. Maybe for you that means giving your life as that living sacrifice. Maybe for the first time, maybe maybe in a sense of, of giving it again. Because you've, you've, as a living sacrifice, maybe crawled off the altar. And you've not been sacrificing all that you have for him and his service. So That's what I want to call all of us to this morning, maybe myself more than anyone else. If that's a decision that you need to make, I'll be up front, some of our elders will be in the back, and we'd love to pray with you and talk with you. We'd love to encourage you to, to offer your best to God as your spiritual act of worship. Church, let us not grow weary in our service and our worship, but rather let us continue and press on and offer our best To God, so we might honor his name and see it made famous throughout the earth. Let's pray. Father God, uh, we thank you uh, for your love for us. We thank you for the ways that you have cared for us and provided for us and guided us. Uh, We know that we would not be where we are were it not for your guidance in our lives. And God, sometimes in response to that, we don't give what we ought to. Not just monetarily or, or physically, but we don't give of our lives, give of our service, give of our worship like we should. God, I pray that you would forgive us in the times that we have failed to give you the honor that is due to you as our king, our great king, and our savior. God, we pray that what we offer to you in sacrifice be it in our tithes, our offerings, our our singing, our study, our service, whatever we do, however we give, that we would do it wholeheartedly, not out of convenience, but rather out of conviction. That we would not offer up what is left over, but rather offer our very best to you. God, we thank you for offering your very, very best for us. That when the price needed to be paid for our sin, you didn't give us A second-rate sacrifice but rather you gave us your very son that he would go through and endure the punishment that we owed so that we might live eternally with you. God we're grateful for Jesus and it's in his name we pray this morning. Amen.